Welcome one and all to the Mic Drop Podcast, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. What a show we have for you today. I mean, seriously, Jeff Van Gundy is here. That's right, ESPN's number one NBA analyst joins us to talk Luka Doncic and his worldwide impact and why an NBA team would be foolish not to hire Ted Lasso immediately. Stars president Brad Alberts stops by to talk about running a professional team in the middle of a pandemic, the Stars' chances of hoisting the Stanley Cup this season, and why Stars fans are the best in the NHL. So take that, original six. And finally, we have an old gray wolf sighting. The great Mike Reiner will join us at the end of the pod to talk about what's on his mind and more importantly, what he's been downloading lately. Let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop. I'm joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our next level intern, Marcus Carr. What do you think, Monica? To me, the mic drop moment of the past week was Cowboys great Drew Pearson at long last taking his rightful place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, Sully, I think you're right on. Spot, spot on. Um, I think it was long, long overdue. Uh, and I think this past weekend there were like two questions that we received uh, going into Super Bowl. One, obviously, Kansas City or Tampa Bay, but then Everybody else around Dallas was tweeting and uh, really excited about the opportunity for Drew and uh, really glad to see he got he got in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he's such a great ambassador for our community, uh, for Dallas, helped a lot uh, during the Super Bowl and does a lot of community initiatives for for the kids. So really looking forward to to seeing that in August. Yeah, he, he's a great guy off the field as well. I, I got to know him a little bit in my Mavericks days when he was, was a reporter at Channel 4. So happy for him, what well deserved. But time for a quick word from our sponsors and then back to speak with our first guest, ESPN's Jeff Van Gundy. Hey, are you tired of nights in binge watching your spouse's or quarantine partner's favorite shows or waiting for the delivery service to bring you a lukewarm meal? Let's bring hot dogs and cold brews back. How? Hockey's back. That's right, your Dallas Stars, remember them? Western Conference champs last year? Well, they're back and they're bringing the heat to the AAC ice while on their quest to bring the Stanley Cup back to Dallas. And the best part, fans are welcome. Yep, dreams come true. So visit DallasStars.com today for all the best ticket deals and schedule information. Thanks, Rachel, and welcome to Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff joined ESPN in 2007 after 11 years as head coach of the Knicks and Rockets, where he won 58% of his games. That's pretty good. Jeff is a Texan now, joining us from his home in Houston. Welcome, Jeff. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Nice to have you on. So you've, you've called the Mavericks last two games, uh, both tight wins for the, for the Mavericks. What, where do you see the, the Mavericks right now? Uh, assess the season for us and what maybe they need to do to get to the next level. Well, I think early in the season, uh, they were wrecked with injury and with the COVID protocols. I think that took away their... Um, rhythm, their flow, their chemistry. And I think slowly but surely you're seeing the offensive uh, dynamic nature of Luka Doncic and the rest of the Mavericks start to get in gear. The question for them is, are they going to be able to defend well enough to win playoff series? But this is definitely a playoff team. 
You know, Doncic is a special, special player. And I think the Mavericks' future overall is very bright. Now, the additions, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball. The, the, the additions of Josh Richardson and, and, and uh, James Johnson were, were, had defense in mind. Johnson's not playing as much. Uh, would you expect them to be active at the trade deadline to try to bring in, uh, you know, even more help on the defensive side of the ball? I don't think so. I think they're going to pretty much stay status quo. I think what they have to do is they've got to get their main guys uh, to play every night defense. And so to me, that's Doncic, Porzingis, uh, and Hardaway Jr. Those three are their best offensive players. So they're going to have to guard effectively enough so that their terrific offense can win the games. They're not going to win games most nights on defense, but it has to be good enough so that their offensive firepower can take over like it was against Atlanta. Yeah. I remember well back in 1985 when I worked for the Mavericks and we drafted in the first round, Detlef Schrempf, Uwe Blob, and then we threw a Canadian in Bill Wennington for good measure. Now Detlef of course went on to, to be an all-star uh, in the NBA multiple times, I believe. And, and a great player. Uh, so in some ways, the Mavericks were, were were ahead of the curve a little bit on the European thing. Then Dirk Lucas seems to be taking it to another level. Talk a little bit about the the potential for the worldwide impact of 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 Luca and and what that could mean for Dallas. Well, I think when you look at uh, the Mavericks, they've made two great uh, draft day deals. The first one like you mentioned before, for Nowitzki, took him for two decades. And it wasn't just how great he was as a player. He was also a player that he was beloved by fans um, around the globe uh, for how he played, his uh, integrity. Um, So I think everybody um, was a Dirk fan, even opponents. And I think the same way with Doncic. I think um, he's so good. He's so personable. Um, that people will be drawn to him. Dallas fans, obviously, but I think uh, across the country and around the world, fans are going to want to watch Doncic play because of his uh, flair and his greatness. Well, Jeff, I definitely think we have a lot of uh, Luka fans here in in Dallas. It's like a, a Luka craze here. Um, if you were doing uh, your, your scouting report uh, for, for Luca, what would that look like? Well, you have to keep him out of the paint, Monica. Like, he's so good when he gets in there. I think people underestimate how big and how strong he is. So he can finish, and he has great vision as a passer. Right now, he's incredibly inconsistent as a three-point shooter. So uh, against Golden State the other night, he made Last night against Atlanta, not so much. That's really your only chance. When he gets the three-point shot to be a more consistent part of his arsenal, there will be absolutely no stopping him or the Mavericks. I like to hear that. Um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, uh, Jeff. Uh, you know, our, our times have changed due to COVID and a, a lot of virtual world and a, a broadcast. So, you know, how is da- ga- doing games uh, from home um, different and what should we expect from broadcast moving forward? Well, doing it from home, first of all, the technology and how the behind the scenes people 
figure out how to get us on air. It's absolutely incredible. I, I don't know how they would even begin to to do that. Um, I think it's something that we're going to see more and more, even as we get out of the pandemic for uh, monetary reasons. You know, I don't think you're going to see as many people travel to as many live events. I think um, what they're proving now is you can do it remotely. You can do it well. And I think it's going to be something that's incorporated throughout all sports for a long, long period of time. I watched the Golden State game. You were at the American Airlines Center with plexiglass between you and and, and Mark uh, and, and, and Breen. Less the, the Atlanta game, you were at home. I didn't really notice a, a, a significant difference in your contributions, the insights and analysis that you offer. Do you notice a difference? Are there things that you can't do or that you miss out on by not being in the arena? Well, I'll give you an example, Kevin. Like the other night, there was a crucial uh, non-call on an out-of-bounds play. And I saw the Warrior bench at very end of the guys who would have seen on the baseline where the ball landed. I saw, because I was there, I saw how they reacted. So I said, that could have been out-of-bounds. And they went back, and it was, and the Mavericks got the benefit of the no-call. I don't know from home if I would have had the same – angle to see the entire bench depending on what camera angle we were on at that time so you might miss one or two of those things but I gotta say when I watch games I don't know if they're home or at the at the arena and I again because of the the technology incorporated uh, I think you're going to see more and more of this uh, throughout the entire sports landscape you're so prepared, uh, meticulously prepared when you go on the air. How does your prep change when you, what, because of COVID, when you can't have the interaction in person with players, assistant coaches, coaches, executives, and so on? Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate because I coach for a long period of time. I still know a lot of the coaches. And if I have questions, you know, I call. But we also have the Zoom calls with the coaches. We don't hear as much from the players now because it's harder to get players on Zoom, but I think that more impacts Mike Breen than it does uh, myself because truly what I'm interested in is what the coaches are trying to do, what they're trying to exploit, take advantage of, and so we still have um, access to them. It's different, uh, but I think, again, they're so cooperative, the NBA coaches, that we get all we need. Uh, Jeff, you was reported, uh, you know, if you can believe what you what you read, that you interviewed for the Rockets job uh, last year. Uh, did you? What do you think of that? The, the, are you interested in getting back in still? I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts about that? The game has changed a lot. Obviously, you've you've kept up uh, closely with the game. What, what what do you what do you think about the your future? Yeah, I don't really think too much about it. Um, I did interview with Houston uh, and another team. Uh, uh, last year, um, you know, some college things um, uh, interest me as well, but I have a great job. And whenever you have a great job, it makes you much more discerning about leaving that job if you're going to take another one. And so I realize just how fortunate I am to be doing what I'm doing. And at the same time, 
if something better uh, pops up. Um, I still do think uh, I'd have a lot to catch up on, but I think I could still make a contribution uh, to teams and players. Well, I, I loved it during the Golden State game. There was a play where, where Trey Burke passed inside to Porzingis, and you you declared the you know the low post game is not dead. Uh, what do you think of the game today? Do you do you, do you like it as much as the as the the, the kind of pre analytics style and uh, and uh, you know should teams go back to more of a low post look as a way to mix it up? Well, I love the game today. I, I think the skill level. Uh, of these players. We saw it last night with Trey Young, like shooting from the logo, Steph Curry, the game before shooting it from 35 feet and, you know, handles and passing. Uh, the game is in a good spot. I think if you're going to win it all though, you have to make sure you take advantage of the other team's weakness. So Porzingis doesn't have to post up against centers or power forwards, but when they switch point guards like Curry onto him to not punish them in the paint, either with a post up or a second shot is allowing them to get away with a strategy that can be exploited. And so I think you have to be versatile and I think you have to be committed as Porzingis has been to taking advantage of whatever the defense presents. Another thing I enjoy is when you rant and rave about clear path files. I couldn't agree with you more on that. But I also like the way you like to work pop culture references uh, into your commentary. <laughs> you hit SVU, uh, you know, Law and Order SVU the other night. Uh, you're always entertaining. And our intern Marcus has a question to you about about your pop culture references. Oh, hey. All right. Hey Jeff, uh, you just talked about getting in back into coaching. What interests you? What are some of the top coaching tips you've taken from Ted Lasso? <laughs> oh, Ted Lasso. I've watched a few, but the best one was when he was talking to his best player, he said, you're so interested in being a one in a million player that you forget you're one of 12 or 11. I think he might've said, and like, I thought right then the Ted Lasso, he should be like, produce a coaching philosophy book. I mean, whoever writes that stuff, it's brilliant as far as, how you're trying to get players to do what you don't want them to or what they might not want to do so that they can achieve what they want to achieve. And the bottom line is everyone has to sacrifice and do it for the betterment of the team. And Ted Lasso nails it. There's, there's some wisdom there for, for sure. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on, on the mic drop uh, this week. Really kind of you to make the time. We'll keep watching on ESPN. Good luck the rest of the way and, and uh, stay safe. Thank you. You guys have a great uh, rest of the podcast. Thanks a lot. We're back with Dallas All Stars right. president, Brad Alberts, after this sponsor message. Calling all guys. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Give her your significant other something she'll really want this year. Give her an O-ring. These handy and stylish key rings have been featured on Oprah, Good Morning America, The Today Show, everywhere and you know they're dallas based just two cool moms making a difference in the world with their entrepreneurship women love these and they'll love you for giving them one go to oventure.com and order today giving women an extra hand welcome brad alberts uh dallas stars president uh, thank you for taking the time brad 
Hi, Monica. Hi. You staying warm out there? Well, I was going to come see you and decided <laughs> to stay here rather than navigate the road. So that's a, trying. That's, that's pr probably a pretty smart uh, decision there. So, well, we definitely want to talk to you about your stars. Um, and you just, you know, Western Conference champions. You just had a banner ceremony. How special of a moment for you was it for you, Brad, uh, and the organization uh, to have first-time fans in there to experience that and welcome the stars back on the ice? Well, it's obviously been a bizarre year, to say the least. We all know that. Um, but it was it was certainly, you know, some feeling of, of normality to get back into the AAC, um, see some people, albeit, you know, not what we all want, but some. Um, and obviously, the opportunity to recognize and celebrate, you know, what our team did you know, in the bubble in the summer was was great for not only the organization, but for our fan base, too. So, yeah, it was exciting. It was fun, um, you know, kind of culminated a, a crazy 2020, but, you know, also um, accentuated that the, we're not out of this yet and we're still, you know, in this, you know, weird time. Yeah. So the Mavs just added fans, I believe. Um, can you tell us, Brad, you know, how did the Stars decide to open it up to fans? You know, you, you kind of went first. What did you learn through this process? And uh, I guess what are you changing? And how does it affect your organization just overall operationally? Well, we just, you know, obviously the, you know, we're blessed our government allowed us to have the fans where so many other teams and states didn't have that that opportunity. So, we, um, we took that opportunity and, you know, we built out a plan to, to try to get as many people in there as we possibly could. Um, the nice thing, Monica, that, that we had, you know, was the, you know, the Stanley Cup final run in September. You know, we, we had people at our watch parties down at the AAC to watch all the games. And so we essentially did then what we're doing now. And we used that, you know, six games over a you know, week and a half kind of period there to really test out all the protocols at the arena, make sure that we could get people in, you know, and when that we didn't, we wouldn't have, you know, any issues with the virus. And back in September, everything went, you know, very clean. Uh, we had no issues. And so we were really confident in what, you know, Dave Brown's group could do down at the AAC to keep everybody safe, keep the arena clean, um, our social distancing rules and getting everybody to wear a mask. So we were confident with that. You know, our ticketing people had to create a new manifest, uh, which was a very challenging exercise to get, you know, up to speed and then communicated to all of our people and so forth. But, you know, we got out in front of it and uh, we got it done. And, you know, we've, uh, I guess we've played now six home games and we've had no issues. And I think we're now kind of in a groove. Hey, Brad Sully here. It's great to uh, talk to you again. It, hey, it's Sully. been a while. Long yeah, time congratulations. Yeah. yeah, congratulations on all your success. I read a stat this week that 68% of TV consumption in 2020 was done via streaming. Yeah. What, what does that mean as a president of a, of a, of a, of a pro team? You're in this dispute right now with, 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 with Sinclair and for some of the cord cutters, they're, they're on the sideline, but assess, you know, the landscape right now and what that means for you as a stars president, where we're headed. Well, Sully, it's a great question, obviously, because it's very timely. Um, I think it means that the media landscape that, you know, we've all been accustomed to and grow, grew up with is changing, just like a number of things. 
and how people, you know, consume, you know, our product moving forward, you know, is going to be different. And all of us in the industry uh, in every sport from the leagues on down to the individual, you know, teams are going to have to see how this media landscape changes over the next, you know, three to four or five years. Um, and what exactly are the consumers going to want and how are they going to consume it? So I think all of us are going through it. The situation with Sinclair that we're in right now is obviously, you know, it's, it's something that we've all dealt with. It's not, you know, something new, uh, but it is, you know, it's a challenge and it's clearly disappointing, but it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people expect the teams to solve it and the teams can't solve it. This is, you know, the media companies that pay for our rights. This is how they generate the revenue to pay for those rights. And Sinclair has to solve it with their with the cable companies. Um, and so we're we're we can we can call those guys and say, hey, where are you? But getting mad at them or yelling at their bosses to try to get this done isn't isn't a strategy and it isn't going to work. So we have to hope that they can get things worked out and our fans can be able to, you know, to see the games. And it's just a really unfortunate thing that we're in the middle of this pandemic and people can't come to the games, but they also can't watch them on TV in some cases. Well, it is unfortunate, and hopefully it'll get resolved soon because sports can play an important role in, in lifting people's spirits during tough times. So you want it, you want the games to be as accessible as, as possible, obviously. But the league has done a, a terrific job with uh, revenue retention during these, these tough financial times, the helmet decal being an example of that. Uh, how has it been for you dealing with your sponsors and your partners with the Stars in terms of helping them navigate with you these the tough financial reality of life during the pandemic? Our partners have been incredible. Um, every one of them has been understanding, has been supportive. I think it's one of the great blessings that, that Monica knows. That we're, we're in a great city here that has great corporate support for sports. And this situation is a perfect example of that. Um, every one of our partners from top to bottom has been great to deal with, um, flexible and understanding and how we navigate through this. Our league, as you referenced, has been great in trying to create new opportunities for the teams to either generate new revenue or at least keep, you know, uh, you know, revenue that we would otherwise have to refund uh, because of the loss of games, et cetera. So, no, our partners have been great. We've got a great list of, you know, Fortune 500 companies here in Dallas that support our team. Um, and we're really blessed and lucky. So, Brad, I want to talk uh, growth of hockey here in the DFW area. You know, everybody who hears Texas knows of Friday, Friday Night Lights and high school football and college football and some basketball for the most part, but uh, we're a hockey town, and uh, I think uh, the Stars just played their 2062nd game on Sunday versus Chicago, making the tenure of the Stars in Dallas as long as it was for the Minnesota North Stars. How much has youth stars programs gro grown over the past years due to uh, the star success, Dallas hosting marquee NHL events? Well, we're, we're bursting at the seams, Monica. We need more ice sheets. We need to find more rinks. Um, our youth numbers are fantastic. It's been one of, I guess, the blessings of the last year is that you know, we're able to keep the rinks open and keep kids, you know, active in sports and in our case in hockey. Um, so really, really pleased with the numbers of kids that are looking to enter into playing at a, you know, at a very, you know, a low level 
and also at our elite levels with our travel programs. I mean, we're producing, you know, a number of players that are playing, you know, division one hockey and, and ultimately now playing in the NHL. Um, everybody knew Blake Coleman played against us uh, in the Stanley cup finals for Tampa. Blake grew up in Plano and played all the way through, you know, as a youngster through our program and, you know, on the Dallas stars elite. And obviously everybody knows about Seth Jones growing up here too, when Popeye was with the Mavs um, and coming up with our program. And he's, you know, he comes back every summer when he lives with his mom and works out at our rinks. And so, you know, we've got a nice pipeline now that has made it all the way up through to the NHL coming through our program, which is obviously great. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the winter classic that you were so instrumental in helping us get um, really cemented our market um, as a great hockey town. Uh, the ability to, you know, get 85,000 people to the Cotton Bowl for that game was an incredible experience and a great day for our franchise, one of the best. Um, and I'm going to give you guys some breaking news because here in, a, in an hour, we're going to announce that we are going to host the uh, under 18 world championships this year uh, for the uh, International Ice Hockey Federation and, um, and USA Hockey, which is a great uh, example of what you're talking about, uh, Monica, that Dallas is really turning into an incredible hockey community. And this is another example of, uh, of a high level tournament that, you know, the USA Hockey and uh, IWHF, you know, federations think Dallas can handle. And I think it's a testament to what we've done in the past in our organization. Well, that's fantastic news. I can tell you that the last major sporting event uh, with that was a sellout that I attended was on January 1st, 2020, and it was that Winter Classic, and it was uh, electric. So a uh, fantastic event for Cotton Bowl Stadium. Um, so you kind of answered my next question, but, uh, you know, what other opportunities are there for us on the, on the NHL front? Do you see an all-star game coming back? Uh, you know, I think we've been interested in an NCAA, NCAA uh, Frozen Four. Um we definitely love a classic back or another stadium series event. So what's out there? You want more work, Monica? I do. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about all those. We've obviously hosted one all-star game, so I don't know that we'll be in the queue to get one right away, but certainly that uh, that's something that we could revisit. And we have talked about, uh, you know, maybe trying to get the NCAA uh, frozen four, um, here, it, uh, you know, the issue is, you know, how does that conflict with our NHL schedule? But it's certainly something that I think would fall in line with what we've done and would be another uh, great event for hockey, uh, you know, to come to Dallas. So, yeah, don't rule anything out. We'll see what our group pulls together, but nothing, you know, on the horizon. I think, as we all know, we've got to get through the, uh, the pandemic here and, you know, get this in our rearview mirror, and then hopefully we can get back to you know, really getting after some of these events and growing the sport again. I've been fortunate, uh, Brad, to go to a lot of cool events in the last 40 years. And I'll take the Winter Classic at the Cotton Bowl and put them in that top level of experiences. What did it feel like for you when the puck dropped and you looked around as the person who re really was the driving force, including in the face of some skeptics, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, who knew you could pull it off, but had no, never imagined it would sell out in a matter of hours uh, or maybe a day or two. What did that feel like for you when the puck dropped and you, and you saw that, that's, you felt that scene that, that, that day? Overwhelming accomplishment and really, really proud of everybody in our organization and including, and including Monica and all of hers, her group, because without 
her assistance and the city's help, we wouldn't have been able to pull it off. I mean, it was just, it was flawless execution, Sully, from a number of fronts. Um, you know, Dan Stuckel, you know, just organizing it internally, coming up with a great plan, our ticket and marketing people, creating an incredible plan to sell the game out. When, as you referenced, nobody thought we could sell that many seats except us. And I knew that I had great confidence when I sat in front of Gary Bettman and told him that we would execute this event. I had great confidence in our team with the stars. I had great confidence in Monica's team that we could execute with the city. And I've told all them that I would have never, as I, you know, I, I put all the chips on the table, Sully. I, you know, if that thing could have blown up in our face and I would have been the person that did it and it would have been, you know, embarrassing for the city and for our franchise. And it was quite the opposite. It became one of our proudest moments. And I did it because I knew we had great people behind me that would create a great plan and ultimately execute it. And I was just overwhelmingly proud. Way to go. That was, that was something. Another, another funny thing about how life works out in sports uh, is, is with your coach, Rick Bonus, who was there in the right time, right person at the right time last year. And I would say, you know, talk about his leadership during the pandemic, because it seems that once again, his style and his leadership skill makes him the perfect person to lead this team during these uncertain times. Yeah, you just said it. You just answered your question. He's, uh, he's the perfect guy to lead this team during this time. And, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. And, you know, it, the situation that, that happened with Coach Montgomery was unfortunate. Um, none of us wanted that to happen. We liked Jim a lot. And we were happy with, you know, his performance. But it happened, and Bones was on our staff, and he stepped in. And what you just said is dead on. He's the perfect guy to coach this team. And what he did, you know, for two months in a bubble with that group, you know, was spectacular. And, you know, there's people that you cheer for and you really want them to see win. And he, Bones is one of those guys. And hopefully the hockey gods are there with him. And we can reward him with a Stanley Cup here shortly because he's certainly deserving of that. He's a great man of character. Uh, our players love him. They don't want to let him down. And that's what you want in a coach. Um, we love Rick Bonus. We love him on our staff. Yeah, he's, he's really something. Now, not, people may not be aware that you actually played college basketball. I did. You know, you've, yes. you've worked in baseball. You've worked in, in, uh, in hockey. You were a, a college ba basketball player at, at, and back in the day in Wisconsin at, at, uh, at uh, Rippon. Ripping. Yeah. Uh, so was your game like, tell us about your game, more Luca, more KP, Hardaway, you know, with the outside shot. How would you? I wish uh, I was like you... Luca. <laughs> I was, uh, I was probably more like Dirk from a just standalone shooting perspective. <laughs> yeah, I could shoot some threes back in the day, Sully. Um, you know, I was a two guard, big two guard for Division three. You know, I was six five, um, played on the perimeter and, uh, you know, had, had a great experience playing small college basketball. Loved it. You know, my teammates are still close friends. Great experience looking back on it. Very, you know, high quality small college basketball and, you know, in Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, upper Midwest. Loved every minute of it. Miss it. 
You ever, you know, go out in the driveway and uh, get up any shots these days? I don't shoot at all. I just golf. My knee has taken a beating. I've had to have some cartilage taken out, so there's no more jumping on the cement for, for Brad. Hey, Brad, <laughs> how can we go about getting some video footage of this? I think we could use that uh, on some social media or, oh, you know, gain some traction. Oh, basketball, Monica? Yeah. Oh, come on. It would be fun. I could take Coach Van Gundy on. I think he played Division Three basketball, too. He did. Yeah, yeah, at Nazareth. Well, well, good deal, Brad. Well, thank you so much for your, for your time and for joining us. Continued success to the Stars this season and, uh, and, and all the best to you. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. All right, each, thanks Rachel for that, appreciate it. Each episode of the Mic Drop is gonna end with a segment we're gonna call, What Are You Downloading? What's the one bit of sports adjacent or even non-sports content, whether it be a streaming show, a news article, podcast, whatever it might be that got us thinking this week. Today we're joined to talk about what we're downloading by a very special guest. You probably know him best as part of the LaBella and Rody morning show back in the 1980s on KZEW, The Zoo. He's done a few things since then, uh, as well as other scattered radio pride projects around town. He's also got a new project right here on Vocal that we're going to hear about. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the great Mike Reiner. Sully, Monica, how are we? We're all right, Ryan. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Glad to do it. You know, all you have to do is rattle my cage and I am there for you, man. <laughs> Well, and vice versa. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you know, Ryan, since 2020, you and I celebrated our 40th anniversary of knowing each other since yes, the original did. Mavericks, Mavericks season. So belated happy anniversary. Indeed. Uh, and, and, and obviously you've had a great, great run and you have a new project uh, launching uh, here with our friends at Vocal. Why don't you tell us about, about it? Yeah, it's a new uh, podcast that I'd been working on at a couple of other ports of call. And Vogel had been wanting me to bring my toys over here, or as Ted Price says, come play in our sandbox. And I finally did. It is called Your Dark Companion, and I believe it drops today. Oh, I'm going to have to download that, Sully. Yeah, believe it drops today. It'll be David Moore of the Dallas Morning News. You know him, Sully, the great, our great pal, the great David Moore. And He's we're a great one. Yeah, and we're going to be. Um, we did it a few weeks ago, right after the Cowboys season ended. But it's just getting around to getting out there today. It's going to be our thoughts on the way things wound up for them and what happens next. What is the origin behind the name Your Dark Companion? Uh, well. I wanted to go with something other than the Mike Reiner show or something (laughs) generic like that. And I got to thinking that a good place to look for something might be inside a Steely Dan song. So I started listening to a bunch of their records 
and perusing the lyrics very closely for something that might work, and I indeed finally found one on one of their songs. A line ends with your dark companion, or their dark companion. Well, you and I are both Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fans. Oh, yes. And so, I mean, straight I'm, into darkness. I'm flying the colors here. <laughs> yeah, straight, straight into yeah. darkness would have worked. I wish I'd have thought of that. That could have been That's a good, good option. But uh, but we wish you all the best. So well, we want all of, our, all of our mic drop uh, listeners to uh, to download Your Dark Companion uh, through the vocal app and wherever else you get your pods and uh, and, and check it out. We know it'll be it'll be great. So, uh, Monica, what, what have you downloaded lately that that uh, is, is worth talking about? Well, I'm downloading a few things, Sully. Uh, you know, I, I had to download some of the weekend songs after uh, watching the Super Bowl halftime performance uh, just because I was a little bit unfamiliar with them and maybe wanted to understand the music a little better. But um, this week, I nothing, you know, so glamorous, but had to start downloading some legislation uh, on the, the gambling uh, or the, the possibility of legalized sports betting and gambling here in in Texas and what needs to happen for that and how, how that affects, you know, what we do from a professional sports uh, landscape. And I, I know the Cowboys and Rangers and the Mavericks are uh, very involved in that coalition and, and, and alliance and really just seeing how that's going to progress out here over the next uh, few months. See, Ryan's that's Monica, always working, always on the job for the Sports Commission. <laughs> that is very, very well, high-minded stuff yeah. there. Well, I, I did last night and this morning decide to take a little uh, time off of work, and I you know, saw what the weather was going to be like here over the next few days. So I did add some things to my, my list on Netflix, but I can discuss that next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, I don't know, Ryan's if you have checked out on HBO the, the, uh, the documentary called The Cost of Winning, which was co-directed by Dallas's own Mickey Holden, uh, a, a good guy and a very talented filmmaker. It's about the tells a story of of uh, St. Francis High School in Baltimore, mm-hmm. kind of an all-access behind-the-scenes take. Four episodes, really good. The cost of winning, and not to be all highbrow on you, but I also um, uh, my wife Joe got me a master class subscription for for Christmas, and I downloaded and watched several episodes of the Aaron Sorkin. Uh, master class on screenwriting and storytelling where I learned that great drama needs intention and an obstacle. So that's kind of what I've been what I've been doing. And I'm going to count Aaron Sorkin as a sports adjacent topic because he did, of course, what he was the visionary genius behind the show uh, Sports Night. So we're going to count count him. But Ryan, so 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 to wrap up uh, this episode of of the Mike Drop, what what have you been downloading? Um, nothing quite as high-minded as either of those projects. Being a retiree, what I've been doing is going back and taking a second look at some TV shows that I watched some years back, and I've gone through the entire series of The Wire. I've gone through the entire series of Mad Men, and I'm working on The Sopranos right now, and it's causing me to take a look at all three of these series with a little bit more critical and, well, I don't know, maybe not more critical, but different eye than the first time around on the rewatch. They, they've all hit me a little bit different than, than they did the first time around. Like, I always considered the Sopranos the goat of that type of thing because it was pretty much the first 
delve into that serious and that high budget of drama by HBO. And it was really, really good. But now that I've watched The Wire a second time, I kind of like it a little bit better. The Wire hit me now, different the second time around than The Sopranos did. Who is your favorite Wire bad guy? I'm on Marlo Stansfield's corner when it comes to menacing bad guys. Who do you have? I would have to go with Marlo, too. I mean, we're, we're, if we're talking about bad guys on The Wire, he is about the first guy I would think of because... You know, that guy was ruthless, but he was cool. You know, it took a lot to ruffle his feathers. But he thought nothing about when it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go, and that's that. And I'm a big fan of the show Bosch, and and that actor, Jamie Hector, oh. plays a detective. Uh, so he's on the other side of the law on Bosch, another great show. Wow. Ryan, thanks for, for joining us uh, here on the Mic Drop. All the best with your dark companion. And everybody ought to download it. And, uh, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks to Mike Reiner, Jeff Van Gundy, and Brad Alberts for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with another great lineup. Kurt Menefee of Fox Sports, Emily Jones and Julie Dobbs of The Mom Game, and David Moore of The Dallas Morning News. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Krista Malia, Marcus Carr, and our visionary and showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening. How about those mic drop moments? Big wins happen here. All right, Dallas, don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, and share across all of your favorite platforms.